Josh Rosenthal. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, man. Good Thanks to be here. for, uh, I, I kind of actually, to be totally honest with you, I, I feel a little bit like I'm talking to a celebrity. Oh. It's fun. You know, you, so I've been intentionally choosing the type of content that I'm consuming yeah. on social media. <laughs> you are on that list. Yeah. And uh, for many reasons. And in fact, it's why it's why I'm wanting to have this conversation with you. But it's fun to actually meet you in person because yeah. I've been watching, you know, your Instagram well, and your YouTube films for, uh, geez, I don't know how long. But it's yeah, actually, it's, it's really fun to, to sit here Thanks. and chat and see the swag in person yeah, and, yep. you know, all that good stuff. But um, for the audience, yep. part of why I'm, I'm so excited to, to chat with you, you are a father. Mm-hmm. You're an ultra runner. Yep. Um, you are an entrepreneur, which I've, that's recent for me to, to learn on, you know, that side of things about you. Um, but I, you know, so the, 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 the name of my show is chasing greatness and you know, what perfect parallel that I can think of than the journey that you're so publicly on right now with this itch for hundred milers and the microcosm for life that is ultra running and all of that good stuff. Um, and I think that, you know, part of why your story resonates with me in such a huge way is because it comes with such authenticity mm. and such vulnerability. And even all of the, the, the messaging and the community that you're building with Run Borderlands and, you know, hashtag no podium <laughs> and middle of the pack and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. Um, it's refreshing. Yeah, and thanks. so I'm, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to pick your brain and, you know, yeah. peel back some layers and learn about the mindset and things like that. Yeah. So what I'd love to, if you don't mind humoring me for, because probably most of my audience don't share the fandom, yeah. you know, that I yeah. share, but um, you've been very vocal about this pursuit of a 100 mile, a second 100 mile finish. Yep. Um, do you mind just kind of giving people the Cliff Notes recap of, you know, the journey to 100 miles yeah. to date and you, I don't know, kind of the, the narrative with, with some of this messaging behind yeah. it all. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So I became obsessed with the 100-mile distance when I saw Unbreakable. Uh, my friend Jeremy, who is the subject of our first documentary, DFL Before DNF, he handed me the DVD of, of Unbreakable. This was, this was back when, this was, you know, right, right before, this maybe 2012. Excuse me. Uh, 2012. And within the first 30 seconds of the of the documentary, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know what it is about this. Here, here's Jeff Rose, who, is, who had lived in Salt Lake City, uh, but was, you know, uh, claiming Alaska in the DVD, which is fine and fair. Um, Anton Kapritschka and um, uh, who else was it? Oh, it was Killian, Jornet, and then uh, Mr. Organ. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, Hal Kerner. And I just, just the opening of that was just like, oh my gosh, like these guys are running at mile 70, mile 80. I could do that. Like, and if I could do that, like that would tell the world something that I have never been able to tell the world that I believe is inside of me, that I'm strong enough to be still going hard at mile 80 or mile 90. Because most of my life had been uh, like it was a punk rock kid playing music or even after that, like my life was music and, and so much of, uh, my life was lived in like inside and, you know, the air conditioning and all this. And so I would just see this sort of outdoor, um, suffering and potential and think I want to, 
I want to go do that. And so I start to start to kind of play around in it. And, and North Face had these really cool races called the Endurance Challenge that were, they had them all over the country, like five or six of them with the grand finale being in San Francisco. Really great video to check out if you haven't seen it is uh, Hawks versus Miller. Uh, the first uh, when Hayden Hawks and Zach Miller raced each other for the, the championship once at that race. Um, Zach Miller just got I know. the second, second FKT. Second to Jim Walmsley. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's like 6'15", and Jim Walmsley's still like 540. Unbelievable. I know. Um, so I, I did a marathon at the North Face Endurance Challenge, and then I tried for a 50K, a 50-miler, and then 50K again. And I was just, I was just, you know, every September up in Park City, and then two years in a row it got snowed out, and I, then I think North Face gave, gave up. They're not going to try to do a, a race up there anymore, and then the whole thing kind of collapsed, but... Then it was, I really wanted, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just obsessed with the desert. And I, so I decided that I would, I wanted to go do one at Capitol Reef, which was kind of like desert meets alpine, but super high altitude. The average altitude of that race is over 10,000 feet, goes from Boulder, Utah, the real Boulder, to, uh, uh, is it Escalante? Uh, no. That's oh, on the tip of my tongue. You, but you just, you know, drops you off at Boulder, and then you run 50 miles north and i did that and i just i hit mile 32 or 33 and i just remember sitting in the middle of the trail and you know and and what i thought was the most despair i would ever feel but but that's because i hadn't tried a 100 miler yet <laughs> and i was just sitting in the middle of the trail like just completely broken and my buddy evan lewandowski was pacing me and it was just like he just kept kind of beating me different food and got up and crossed the finish line and that was the first time i really felt that I had expressed this thing that was inside of me, which was, I believe that I'm strong enough and capable of doing really, really hard things, but I don't have any proof of it. And this was the first time I was like, hey, I think I've got a little bit of proof of this. And I remember going through that 50 mile attempt, and this was maybe 2016. And in that 50 mile attempt, it was like, um, going through all my, all my list of like, why am I doing this? You know, trail runners were, we're all, we're all at least one part philosopher. And so as I'm like building my philosophy of like, why am I doing this? I'm going through all of it. It's like my, my granddad was a farmer and he fought with the land. And I, I, I just had never had to fight with land before. Like everything has just been given to me, food from the grocery store. I've never had to grow it. I've never slaughtered an animal. I mean, I'm like, you know, it's just, who am I? What am I when my, when just one, two generations ago and within my family lineage, there was this crazy hard work. And so I'm connecting it to all of these sort of things. And that's because I'm not fast. If I was fast, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing all this. You'd just be running. I'd just be running. <laughs> yeah. But because I have so much time to think, <laughs> uh, you know, the reason that ultra, like the fast ultra runners, they can run hundred milers with handhelds that are just strapped on, uh, you know, a, maybe 500 centiliters or milli whatever it is centiliters five uh, half a liter of water total for like eight mile stretches because they run so fast and i need like a three liter pack of water on my <laughs> I back need a camel and, back and, and, and i need all this stuff and it's like because i got i got time to think i got time to work out there like when i go toe the line for these things i'm going to work and not like jim walmsley or zach miller or courtney dewalter are going to work just like, cruising yeah they're going to work like there's a paycheck involved. They're literally working. Like I'm going to like figure some stuff out. It's like a walkabout. I'm just going to figure out who I am. 
So through the course of this, I've I've tried eight times. I uh, I failed my first two. I finished my third, and I thought, hey, I'm on to something. I think I know how to do this. Let's let's go. And I was signing up for a ton. And then I DNF my next five. So I've only finished one out of eight, and I'm the uh, I I, just, I have yet to meet my equal. In all of my publicity that I'm trying to get for this, like not one person has been like, yeah, I have. You're not the worst. I'm the worst. Literally, I'm the worst trail runner, 100 miler in the country at this point, and I'm not any less compelled. Like I can't, I still can't imagine a version of myself where I'm not trying for 100 miles, uh, and I still, with zero uh, support behind it, still have aspirations of the Moab 240 as well, and Cocodona 250. I mean, two just epic desert suffer fests that I desperately want to build some body of work of trail like 100 mile work that would justify me going and doing one of those two why do you think because there's clearly so there's lots of ways to suffer (laughs) you know there's there are many ways in which you can you know push yourself and I mean it's interesting because I think back looking at my running career I remember the first marathon I finished I ran Big Cottonwood for the first time oh wow 2000 and 18, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking, I've never been in this much pain in my whole life. Yeah. I that one hurts, though. That's a unique it's hurt. too downhill. Pavement on downhill. Way too downhill. Yeah. But um, I'm going to run it with my wife this year. Of course, oh, I'm, nice. I'm a glutton for punishment, too. Yeah. But um, I'm curious, because, you know, you, you, I, along the way, there's been plenty of 50Ks and 50 milers and, you know, these other distances that mm-hmm. are very admirable, mm-hmm. very challenging you know by any measure yeah and in, and a remarkable accomplishment what do you think it is about the hundred mile distance mm-hmm. is it larger than that is it more than just you know the distance because you had talked a little bit about like your grandfather being a farmer and kind of you know working with the land and yeah. this thing that's inside of you that you felt like you know, ultra running and specifically the hundred mile distance mm-hmm. is your avenue to show that. Mm-hmm. Why the significance though of the hundred miler? Do you think like how come that doesn't come out at mile fifty on yeah. a fifty miler? It to me, it's 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 tied into the lore of just my love of the West. Like like this this sleeve here is you know it's all Western iconography. This was after I DNF'd Buffalo. I got a Buffalo. You know like. This is just Western icons. I love I love the West. And, you know, with, like, my core life's work being as an entrepreneur, I always talk about, like, when America was moving West, you know, the asterisk being all the problems that came with that. So I'm not discounting those by not paying attention to those. But th- as the America moved West, it kept going West. But when did it stop going West? When it hit the water. It could no longer go west. And so for me, what I love about the, like this illustration that I'm always talking about within, like, how much is enough? How far is too far? Like, it's that analogy, the Western analogy of, like, when are you at the Pacific Ocean? Like, when are you done? So if I've built a company, I started a coffee roasting company in 2012, and it was growing, growing, growing. Um, there was a point where I reached my version of the Pacific Ocean. It was time to sell, time to move on. There was nothing more I could do with it. When I finish a when I finished my trail marathon, I crossed the finish line and thought I could go further. When I crossed the 50k, I did it and I was like I could keep going. 
with an asterisk on that being uh, on three attempts with one DNF of Speed Goat. So Speed Goat 50K, the joke is that it's the shortest 100-mile race in the country. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it, I mean, it's brutal. Um, but I, I, I don't have... I don't run them fast, but I don't have much problems with a 50K. I can keep going. My body is strong enough to keep going to through a 50K. When I finish a 50-miler, it's not like in that exact moment that I think, oh, I, let's keep this going, let's extend it. But and as soon as I get home, it's like, ah, I, there's more. 100K, same thing. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost guaranteed, with the exception of some sort of injury, I'm going to finish those distances. They're not going to be fast. It's not going to be pretty. And There's a an insane amount of it that's going to be ugly, but I'll finish them. The hundred mile, it's that I can't figure it out. It's that I can't, even, even when I, every single race, I could go through it in detail and I won't, I'll save you, but every single race I could tell you what went wrong. And then the next one I solved it, but it was a new problem. Yeah. So if the first race, it was Jeremy and I were running, he accidentally drops one of my water bottles off the side of a cliff at Zion. I have two extra, then I go into an aid station and I leave one behind at mile like 62. And then I have, so I have just a small amount of water to get me nine miles to the next aid station and just totally dehydrated. So the next one's like, here's how I'm going to solve that water problem. That won't happen again. And it was another thing. Of course. And then it was another thing. And there's another thing. What I love about the hundred mile distance for me is that it takes a really good day on several fronts for it to work. And because I so enjoy the life of life of the mind, like I love that hundred mile is is a is a uh, once you get past mile fifty, they say you run the first fifty with your body and the second fifty with your mind. After that, it's problem solving, problem solving, problem solving, and I really like that. And you feel like it's kind of you know you mentioned that idea of human Western expansion and and whatever, and and yeah. kind of this. I feel like there's an analogy there for. We would have kept going had we could have. Yes. You know, but we hit the we hit the hit ocean. The and it's almost like there's something in our nature to push those bounds, you know, yeah. to, to push those limits of whether it's how far we can go or yeah. how much we can expand or how how big of a thing there is there. Yeah. There really is something to that. And and I think unless you're an ultra runner, you won't understand what I'm about to say, but those that are but it feels natural. Yes. And it's the weirdest thing to say that because yeah it's excruciating and you're in so much pain and, but it feels, I, I've often contemplated if, you know, we know for a fact in evolutionary humans, we used to literally chase down our yes. prey. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't give that the significance it deserves. Like mm. I, and I don't know this, I'm not a, you yeah. know, the scientist by any means, but yeah. I, I've, I'm curious sometimes if, I've wondered if maybe that meant we literally ran ultras, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. in, in pursuit of food yes. and literally ran for days. I think sometimes yeah. we don't really, you wonder if, if we've evolved more, you know, than we, than yeah. we think. What's well, funny, a buddy of mine who I run, uh, Alex, who I've mentioned, uh, Air Force guy, he's an evolutionary biologist. Uh, he got his, his PhD at the U. Uh, that's what he would talk about. It was like the, he had a joke of like wanting to create an ultra that is uh, how we used to run for after our food. So like you would chase an antelope until you could walk up and touch it. Yeah. Because what you used to do is humans used to tire out their food. They would stay in pursuit as long as it would take. So to create some sort of like ultra where the goal is just to come up and touch something that would normally run from you, that you would tire them out because you keep going. Because I think you're exactly right. There's 
that's what's in us. And because of the way that life has evolved and rather quickly, like life, life and technology has evolved faster than we have been able to evolve as humans. And so we've, I think that's where some of this lostness feels of like, I'm used to being like this body is one that, you know, maybe on some levels needs to be out in the sun for 12 hours, pushing, pushing the reward of that usually would be food. Uh, at this point, because we don't, because the grocery store and all that, now the reward of that is just like doing it. Yeah, there's almost, there's a, I think there's some truth in the fact that in, in you know, evolutionarily speaking, mm-hmm. we've been uncomfortable way longer than we've been comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And, and you yeah. know, the, the period of time in which we've been comfortable is obviously growing at an exponential rate, rate yeah. too. So I wonder if that's part of it, because, you know, there's definitely there's a journey that you go on yeah. when you're running. And that's why I'm so fascinated with your story is it's like, and, and don't let me put words in your mouth because I want you to unpack it more, sure. but it's almost like the distance is reflective of something else. Yeah. Like that there, there you still feel like personally, there's still a journey, Yeah, you know, that there's still thing, a, a process that has to occur and a, and a journey, you know, yeah. that, that still has to, to, to be had is that is that a fair assessment yeah i mean i think that if because i can i can more often than not finish a 50 miler if i start one and that i can't do that with the 100 like i always need to be doing something that i have a low likelihood of succeeding at and that's what i love about entrepreneurship like that's what i love about trail running that's what i love about anything in life is that like i want to go after something so big that if i get it it feels like you know it's something that I'm going to tell my grandkids about. Now, what I don't like, uh, a friend of mine, uh, his brother-in-law was Stephen Jones, and people who know who Stephen Jones is know, like, they're, uh, he's, like, ultra-running sort of, like, underground uh, royalty in some senses. And he uh, he's one of, like, the early pioneers of the 200-mile distance. And <laughs> he once said that the 100-mile or the 200 mile is the new 100 mile, or that the 100 mile is the new marathon. He was just like, you know, crapping on the marathon, or crapping on the 100 miler. And I was like, when he said that, I was like, no, my life's pursuit is that 100 miler. Don't tell me that that's not the thing anymore because of that ambition. Like, as soon as I can, you know, I'm 40 years old, but I do, I do intend to master the 100 miler. And what I mean by that is be able to finish it with some level of predictability because I got to get to that 200 miler now because of that statement, you know? So. It really stuck with you that much. Yes, that statement. It, 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 yeah, because because this is what's happening. I think in the mind of someone who goes for a hundred mile, who's not you know an elite runner, a Tom Evans, a Jim Walmsley, according to Walter, is because we're we're wanting to go the furthest that's out there. Uh, and so what's unique, what I think the hundred miler has over the two hundred milers, that people who run hundred milers often don't sleep. Two hundred milers, they do have sleep stations. So on some levels, that's where I still think that the 100-miler has, has uh, it's the only way in which the 100-miler has a leg up on the 200-miler in uh, as much as you see sleep as weakness. <laughs> uh, so maybe it's not, but uh, there's no sleep stations at 100. You have to, if you want to sleep, you have, just have to lay down on the, the trail. Or, right. You know, so. But people generally don't do it. Well, and I think that's what, you know, so much of that is why I think you're, story is so compelling mm. because 
individually, you know, everybody has these different whys or, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, the different lows and all of these different journeys that we're all on, whether yeah. we're ultra runners or not. Yeah. You somehow have taken those individual components and then created a community yeah. around it, yeah. um, which I think is super powerful. There's, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you've got some, so the intros to your, to your videos are just profound. And I, that's Thanks. why I wanted to double check before we started recording that, yeah. you know, you get credit for them because yeah. the writing is, is remarkable. Thanks. Um, and so if you don't mind humoring me, I'm going to read the yeah. intro to, to DFL before DNF okay. first. And then I want you to unpack it because it, it, the, the words of it resonate with me in such a huge way. In fact, th- that documentary is why I've registered for the mm. Buffalo Rum 100. That's so great. I have you to blame. When <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you're done, you'll have me to thank. Yeah, yeah allegedly. Um, so it, you write it and it says, we technically call it a race, but it's really an allotted time to work through our demons. If we only cared about fitness, we'd run a 5K or a 10K but we do it to be alone on the trail against the backdrop of immense human support. In our heads, we are the myth of the cowboy, but the truth is that we are far from it. We are completely alone with our fitness, lost in our minds, and at the same time, we're surrounded by the most supportive community in sports. It's just me in the mountains and my will juxtapose against the reality that we can't do it without others such a good sport <laughs> yeah i think that to me like I, I hear that and still kind of get choked up by it because of the reality of like literally gives me the chills yeah all, all of the things happening all of the things happening on the trail the least I mean, all uh, and, and and i think it's a good to make the point that some people my my version of this is 100 mile some people's version of this is the 50k or the marathon or the half marathon so i think they can substitute that in my version of this, uh, my obsession is the is the hundred miler. So whatever your distance is that you're going for, fitness is the least important part of that journey. Because uh, if we only cared about fitness, we'd we'd you don't I mean five k ten k. I was listening to something the other day, like the Peter T or Huberman or something saying. We get ninety percent of the benefits of running by running three times a week for twenty minutes. That's it. Yeah, so you're good. And <laughs> uh, that in that you know, like you're you can be a smoker and run uh, those twenty those three times twenty, and you're healthier than the person who smokes and doesn't run. So it's like the benefit of running is in this sixty minutes a week spread across three runs, and there's so much benefit in that. And then beyond that, it's marginal. Yeah. Marginal. And then we get to this point where it's like, look, I, I mean, I'm trying to run 50 to 70 a week. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, it's my fault for not having water. No, you guys. <laughs> um, so it's not, it's not an effort in fitness unless you're a sponsored runner and there's, you know, a paycheck involved. I get it. That's different. That's in fact, I think it's important to say that my, I, I advocate for two different sports. There are two different sports happening on the same trail at the same time. There's the people who are trying to win it. That is a completely different sport than what 95% of us are out there doing. So if it's not a pursuit for fitness, yeah. what is it? Yeah, man. So that's what, uh, I mean, that's why 
the opening line is technically we call it a race, but really it's an allotted time to work through our demons. I think so many people who are out there, at least in my community, this Borderlands community is like what the thing that unites us is that we get our bodies in shape. That's just a given. Like you, you have to, you have to do that because there's like this glorious thing that happens when you're out on the race, quote unquote race trail. Cause we're not really racing. Um, so you get this baseline fitness and you, and for me and for a lot, uh, in the community, we're working. We're working through something. It can be as little as life's hard, and I love to go do something where my cell phone doesn't work all day, and then have a medal to prove it at the end of the day. But I think it's all almost always more than that because when you hit the wall and you don't want to keep going, um, now you're in this space of like, well, why would I keep going when something hurts this bad? Uh, I'm, I'm crying because this is so hard. I'm crying. I can't even articulate why I'm crying because I'm so raw. Why would I keep going? Or how do I keep going? It's, it's in that moment that everyone is going to answer that question for themselves. Why would I keep going? And unfortunately, I haven't fully found that yet for me with the 100-mile distance. Do you th- go ahead. No, you go. Do you think that's because you're still figuring out your why? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm satisfied. I'm only out there, I mean, I'm out there for myself. I, I'll joke about the people who say they're out there for their family. Like, if you want to do something for your family, spend time with them. <laughs> Ultra like, running is not This that. is for you. And uh, I do think it's cool that my, you know, my 10-year-old son thinks it's cool that I go for 100 miles. That's cool. Uh, he'd rather me spend the afternoon at Dave & Buster's or something with them. You know, like, that's... So I'm out there for myself, and I think uh, a lot of people are. Most people are, and that that's quite okay. Um, so there are times where I'm just content at wherever I'm at. I wish my body ran out at 100 miles. However, if I did, then I'd be going to 200, and if I figured out the 200, I'd be going to that these like marathon de sable. I would be doing all of these different things where I even further and further and further because I want to do something that I'm unlikely to finish because I want to find my, like there's something I want to find about myself in that. But for me, I, it's at the hundred. Um, so yeah, I, I think my, there are times where I'm, my why is satisfied early enough. It's like, I just, like I've had a lot of crew, same crew with me at these same things. It's just like, you, I, I can't be talked out of it. If it's, if, if it's not in my mind, I'm not, I'm not motivated externally at all. There's not anything anyone could say to me. And unfortunately, and, you know, your boy Scott Jurek, he, he makes fun of, uh, he's memed this a handful of times, but it's the, you know, my crew came out with me. I, you know, I'm at Zion. My crew drove down from Salt Lake, and I'm going to DNF. I actually don't care. Like, I can't. I can't do this for them. Like, that, and I wish, I, made, I wish I was finishing for them. I wish I was finishing because they made that sacrifice. However, I'm unable to go another 40 miles just to honor that. Right down, which that applies to. I mean, you talk about a perfect parallel for life. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to change. Yeah. With you know, I mean, I, I think of you know many experiences that I have in my life of trying to influence people or <laughs> you know trying to to and and all with good intent, but you sure. know, like yeah, the, unless you want to do something, you're not going to do it. Yeah. If, unless somebody wants yes. to change, or you know, you see that with people yes. overcoming 
addictions or, yep. you know, quitting oh, jobs yes. or, yep. you know, what I, the list is long, but that's an interesting way to think about that of, of there is no talking you out of it once, you know, once it's, once it's decided. And of course not. Yeah. But, it, you know, I think same applies to well beyond, yeah. you know, just, just ultra running. Absolutely. And to think a little bit more about that, that intro, there's what's a funny parallel or juxtaposition to me is this idea that I've done, all, I've put in all the work for my fitness um, you know, I've spent the money on the right nutrition. I got all the money on the clothes. Like I've planned out the day, all this logistical stuff. And what people will say is, well, Hey, why would you spend 350 bucks running a race when you could just go run a hundred miles in the mountains alone? I think, well, I, I need the energy of the aid station. I need the, I mean, I, I need practically the food that they have in the, in the, uh, you know, water, but I need the people. And so there's this really bizarre thing that this is entirely about me. This is entirely about the demons that I'm working out or the thing that I want to prove to myself. And so I've trained for it and I've done all this. And, and so you have this myth of the cowboy, this idea of like, it's just me riding off into the sunset alone. Like I'm doing this, I'm doing this up against those volunteers or, you know, at those tables for 24 hours and the race director and his team showed up yesterday (laughs) to put up the start line and finish line and the time chips. And then it's like, uh, it's a funny, interesting juxtaposition that it's like, this is the most like solo effort that is completely dependent on hundreds of people in order to make it work. So I think it's a, it's a, a beautiful picture of like, yeah, we do have these sort of this sort of ambition within ourselves, but there's really nothing that we do accomplish alone. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, and much like life, you know, we're all, fighting our own battles are all on our own journeys, but at the, in the, a very real sense, we can't do it alone. Like yes. we have to, and it, there's trying to think how to articulate that better, but it's kind of like, there's the, all of these individual stories happening yeah. that collectively create, you know, this community and the community is what's necessary for the yes. individual stories yep. to happen, yep. whether it's ultra running or life. Right. And that idea of like on your own journey, but together. Yes. So fascinating. I love that. I think that's to me one of the one of the draws of it. And I, you know, I don't like I mean you're run, you're running Buffalo, like the Buffalo at night, it scares the hell out of me. Like I'm I am scared of the night. So that's why I, I mean at at Zion, like I wanna like when I was scared of snakes, I faced my fear of snakes. I'm no longer scared of snakes. I need to face my fear of the night. Like I, I need to get through a hundred mile overnight by myself. Like that's, that's just, I'm, that's stuck in my head. I don't, I got to do it by myself. It's so interesting that you say that because I'm legitimately scared. <laughs> like 100% I am freaked out. So I have, uh, you talk about, you know, facing your fear yeah. head on. Yeah. I, for a long time in my life, I've been a, a hunter, a backcountry hunter, okay. wildland firefighter, and oh. you know all of these different things. Yeah, through some like legitimately hard stuff, <laughs> and and somehow though through all that, I've developed anxiety, mm. true anxiety that uh, appears when I am in remote places. So if I'm on like a single track trail or oh. you know somewhere, where I get like mm. full blown full blown anxiety. Yeah. So I started running ultras. <laughs> And, and, and I still, to this day, don't know why. Yeah. I hate it every time. Yeah. I'm scared every time. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's all of these like things, but there's something that it's like drawn to me about, 
I have to do it because it's the thing that scares me the exactly. most. Exactly. Yeah. Like in spite of the fact that it's what's it's why I went and ran on Antelope Island <laughs> by myself yesterday because I had to just do it. You know, yeah. like get out there and and yeah. start. Um, and that's the perfect example of the you need to face that fear in that hundred mile distance. So you're going to be doing that overnight. You might have a pacer. You're you're going to see these. There are these big boulders that you'll see and the moonlight will hit them in such a way and you'll think it's a buffalo and you're hallucinating and all these really fun things that only happen in the context of 100 miles uh and you need to face that but the reality is is that there's a couple hundred people that are out there that have your back yeah it's a really interesting thing to know like hey i'm facing this fear i'm facing this fear of the dark i'm going after it and hey there's a sweeper there's a person that's going to be coming at some point, if I something happens to me, there's a person that's going to come and know my bib number and my name and say, hey, I'm looking for you. So it's not like this. I'm not actually like running 100 miles in alone. I've got all of these. I've got so many people looking out for me so that I can go feel like a cowboy alone. You know, it's a really interesting How, juxtaposition. Yeah, it's almost... Gosh, there's complexities there that mm-hmm. that that could be a whole, you yeah. know, a whole a whole podcast episode. But yep. it's so true and so so profound. I mean, I remember. So I I ran. I did 24 hours of Palmer Lake in nice. whenever that was this this last fall uh-huh. end of summer, um, and it was like a literal life changing. You know, there's there's that's why I think ultra is ultra running is so captivating for me, and I'm I'm so yeah. attracted to it because. There is parallel after parallel after parallel yeah. that, that can be applied to, to yeah. life. And I think a lot of it's kind of like one one thing that I took from that one is that you have to set massive goals. Yeah. You know, I, I had a goal of running 100 miles in 24 hours and I, I fell way short of it. Yeah. But it was cool to see in hindsight that had I not set that big of a goal, I, I ended up running 66 yeah. miles or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like you said, like I want to do these things that are so massive yeah. that if I do them, you know, it's something my grandkids will, will know about. But what's great about doing things like that mm-hmm. is that even if you fall short, you still did something rem- remarkable, right. especially, you know, with business or creating a community or whatever. Yeah. Unfortunately in the ultra world, you get pegged with a DNF, right? But yeah. you know, there's quite a bit of accomplishment that happens, yeah. you know, along the way. Anyway, which I think is is pretty powerful. Yeah, 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 totally. I I like the I like the twenty four hour format. I've never done one, but I, something something to me I like about like, hey, no matter what, I know this is going to be done yeah. <laughs> in twenty four hours. I do I do wish that I like you know I want to finish a hundred miler in twenty four hours. I like I I I tell you I would trade it all to be faster. You know all of this philosophy, all this stuff that I'm going through, all the. I'd love, I'd, I'd, I would rather be really fast because I'm a competitive, like I would rather win these things. And what's, what's so dumb is that in my mind, like I'll still sometimes think, ah, you know, I'm going to, maybe tomorrow's the day, you know, I'm going to crush it. And I've run them long enough to where like, I know the, the bell curve of my performance. It's not changing. It's actually slightly better, but it's staying within the, within the curve. Yeah. You even, uh, I think it was at Dead Horse. Yeah, you on um, one of your videos, you you said something to the extent of like, I have a goal for X yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, why? That's three hours faster than my you know previous yeah. best. 
Why I think that'll happen tomorrow, yeah. you know, who knows? Uh, did that yeah. end up happening? No, it's what makes it's what makes um, this sport fun and funny to me is that I still like, despite the body of disappointing work that I have in it, the night before I still think I can do this. Like I'm gonna run really fast tomorrow, and uh, there's part of me that still thinks that yeah, I just I'm still going to like it. It's what makes me good as an entrepreneur. So it makes me. Uh, it's what makes trail running funny to me. Honestly, is that this this wide-eyed optimism that I can do it. I was just going to ask about that because you know here we are. Correct me if I'm wrong. One out of eight yep. hundred milers yep. that we twelve percent. <laughs> Yet there's still this wide-eyed optimism. Yeah. And you know if 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 I were to write it down on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and say, what are the odds? You know, we'd, we'd be like, well, I don't know, twelve percent or whatever. <laughs> you know, the, there's. So I'd love to, you know, get into your mind a little bit of how are you staying so optimistic? How are you staying so motivated? Yeah. With with the track record that has been what it has been. Yeah. You know, there there I think there's because again the microcosms for life, but there there's yeah. so many times when people are met with failure. Yeah. Or met with you know, today's hurdle. Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur too. And if you would have told me it was this hard. Yeah. Right. hundred miles looks easy yeah, yeah, yeah. compared to running, you yeah. know, but it's like, if there's something there that keeps people moving forward and, and, and clearly you have that with entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism, yeah. hundred milers or whatever. Yeah. What is it? Why are you able to stay so optimistic and so motivated to continue to set these huge goals and, and continue to wake yeah. up with the, that wide-eyed optimism, as you called it. Yeah, I think it's the it's the belief in w- that what I'm trying to do is valuable. In what way? For me, that you know, like if it's if it's business, it's like whatever mission that I'm on with that business, that 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 mission is a is a noble mission that's worth doing for whatever reason that is. So. With trail running, it's that I want that hundred mile. That, like I want it. Like I, I believe, I believe that in the one hundred mile distance. Like it's something that I, you know, maybe in an unhealthy way, there's validation in it for me. Of like, I just want to do this. And what's funny about the hundred mile distance then is that people who don't run hundred miles, they hear it and think, "Oh my gosh, that's so you're so wow, you're so strong, you're such a great runner." And I think, you know, you don't get it. And then the people who do run hundred milers, like, well, I'm the worst. So it's like I, 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 I don't feel like I have a group, you know. Like I feel like this p- people who don't run, well, of course, hundred miles sounds a little long, and one, you know, less than one percent of the population tries to run a marathon, and so you're already in rare, rarefied air there, and then you move into the hundred mile distance, and so on some levels, like, and, and that's what Borderlands community came in to to be is like, hey the starting line is your finish line now. So all of the people within my, this community of Borderlands is we want, we all want the finish line really bad, but we also have to recognize that the starting line is pretty amazing, Hmm. pretty special. Love that. So if we can get to the starting line, there's all the great feelings come with it. Don't get me wrong. I would rather be finishing first. I want to cross the finish line and I want to be first. I wish I, I wish that's that's never going to happen, but that starting line is unbelievable, unbelievably special. And so that's our, that's our, that's a, that's our first finish line is our starting line. Love that. Yeah. Like showing up is valid. Absolutely. Because most people don't even have the courage to show up. That's right. 
And so there, so I, so what I've tried to do with Borderlands is to like just speak like validation into that, into those of us who aren't the best. And I'm not saying anything that they haven't heard or maybe don't intuitively already feel. I'm just trying to give words to it of like that's who we are. We're the you know, I, I've talked, I've called us the people of the second sunrise. And then I thought, and then I saw that someone named a book that, and I was wondering if they borrowed that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're always like at if we're if we're running a hundred mile race that starts at five a.m., we're gonna get that sunrise, and we are always gonna get the second sunrise. Whereas, like you see. The winners of yeah Tom Evans, he saw the sunrise at Western States, and then he didn't even see the sunset. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like these people aren't even seeing a sunset, and we're out there. The sun is rising for the second time. Or, or I was at UTMB this year to see Walmsley get the get the win. He comes in at nineteen and a half hours, and then you know there's someone coming in at like forty two hours, right? Forty three hours. Um, what a- that's that that's the those are the people. We celebrate their starting line, and then we celebrate their finish line. Well, and I love that because, you know, the adage that comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I took it a step further. Of so, And I, I struggle with this from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm all, all of the time questioning myself and, you know, wondering why I'm not more successful than I am already, you know, like these things. Yeah. And I, I got some advice that's been recycled. It's not like it was, it was natural, you know, uh, unique advice, but basically the idea is, is you can't compare your chapter two with somebody else's chapter 30, mm, Yeah, that's you know, great. like you're, yeah. you're at a different stage of, of your process of your yeah. journey. And so not only is comparison, hmm. the thief of joy, yeah. you're not even comparing apples to apples, That's right. whole different, yeah, you know, circumstances and, and, series of events that have led people yeah. to where they are. And we get like a sliver of the story, you know, right. when we're comparing, especially with social media or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I love how you've applied that to the world of ultras. Yeah. Because even if somebody's showing up at this finish line, starting line rather, it means that they've done the work, they've done the training. Yeah. They had the courage to register. Yeah. I mean that, that in and of itself is admirable mm-hmm. and I love that perspective on it. Yeah. Um, cool way to frame it of like being proud of where we're all at at our own stages of our own journeys yeah and and for you even i think in a, in one of your videos mentioned that you're gonna separate your fandom of the elites with an expectation yeah in, yeah in, yeah that's my case for making it two different sports also like when i see courtney get three wins this year at the three arguably most competitive hardest races in the world, arguably. And then I think about what I did, <laughs> you know, my last attempt at Zion, you know, uh, gout and a little bit of rhabdo. It's just like those, it's just not the same sport. So I have to separate that. I have to acknowledge that Courtney is a beast. And, you know, Tom Evans, winner of Western States this year, amazing. Uh, Francois Dane, four wins at UTMB. Zach Miller, got the course record and got second place. Like if Jim Walmsley didn't get first place, Zach's second place was still a course record. Yeah. Uh and then I've got gout, you know, cuz I drank beer the day before. <laughs> yeah. It's just completely different sports. So, I need to I don't it I'm not advocating that I be less of a fan. In fact, be be a bigger fan. See that grow because then we'll get even more and better elite showrunners. But then just celebrate that for what it is and leave it there. And then turn the page, and then here's what I do. 
I'm doing something different. And that's why it's technically we call it a race, but really it's an allotted time to work through our demons. I'm not such a great sentence. I'm not racing. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, you know, and I'm, I, anyway, I'm, I'm such a fan of, of that writing. Yeah. Thanks. So knowing that separating that, whether it's ultra running or, or life or business or whatever, yeah. how do you measure success then? You know, like how, how do you, where's that line between the perspective of these elites Mm-hmm. You know the the super successful entrepreneurs, yeah. the Courtney DeWalters of the world, and then those of us that you know deserve a pat on the back for the fact that we quit our jobs and started a bit. You know, yeah. like yeah. how then, from your perspective, does one measure success? So when you run Buffalo in March, will that be you're running the hundred miler? Yep, and that'll be your first attempt. Yep, yeah. First off, I measure success. And remember this when you're standing there. Just remember how it feels to be standing at the starting line of a 100-miler. People who don't run and have never run a 100-miler, it, it sounds funny to say that starting line is epic. Because in that mo- especially the, your first one, because you're standing there and you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to move. I'm, gonna, I'm about to endeavor to move my body 100 miles. Everybody's fresh. There's some energy. There's some optimism. There's some trepidation. There's fear. anxiety. There's fear. But it's all expressed in a positive energy. And uh, it's just a blast to watch it unfold and watch the wheels fall off and the carnage happen and then to see how you respond to it. So first off, I do, and it's not, and it's not a cop-out. It could feel like one. I do think that the starting line is a version of success, standing at it. And then beyond that, like just honestly, my next metric of success is finishing. And so for someone who wants that success, that's why, because I've only finished one out of eight, that's why I want to keep going because I want to succeed on that that way as well. And so that you think that's why that's the draw. That's now, why you keep going back. Yeah, because I think I've dealt with a lot of the other like philosophical, uh, psychological things. Like I've dealt with those. Now I'm in, now I'm in it to finish. Yeah, like that's what I want to get the finish now. Yeah. Do you think after if after you finish this mm-hmm. year? Yeah. Not if yeah. after after no gout. Do you think that that draw will remain? Or, you know, do you think that you'll you'll feel satisfied and set a different goal? I mean, obviously, there's no no crystal yeah. ball. I'm just curious. I mean, if I if I put myself in those shoes, I, I love this. I love it so much that I could see myself wanting. I mean, if, if Zion is like my my favorite, like right up next to it or slightly beneath it is Wasatch, which I've DNF'd twice. I'd like to get that because it's in my backyard. Um. I'd love to to do UTMB still in in Chamonix, maybe not maybe not the actual uh, 176 kilometer one, but one of the, like CCC or OCC something shorter is interesting to me. But I uh, yeah, if I put myself in those shoes, I think all it's going to make me want to do is more. Yeah, yeah, not less. There's no chance. There's no, it's not like I've crossed the finish line. And it's like okay, great. I'm I'm not a road biker. I'm not a mountain biker. I'm not I'm not in anything other than. I'm a ultra trail runner. I just love to run far distances on trail. Like the pursuit of it is the is is where the fulfillment comes. Yeah. Because even yeah. if you cross that finish line, there'll be something else. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that it would be another hundred miler. And eventually, like if I if I feel like, and I don't need I don't need any like external evidence because again I'm not externally motivated. If I for some reason within myself believe that if I finish this hundred miler that I can do that I should go for Cocodona or Moab, I would do it. 
do Moab. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Moab, 240 miles, like, uh, just epic. Yeah. The desert. But bo- both of those, as, as, you know, desert. Moab is has the LaSalle Mountains, so it's still got some alpine. I just don't I don't love running an alpine like I do desert, but, you know, most of it's desert. Yeah. So. It's so funny because, you know, you this idea of, well, and I, wa- I want to get back to, like, the, the fact that the process is, you know, what's important. You know, yeah. the, 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 the pursuit of something yeah. greater than us is, is what matters. Yeah. But a quick anecdote on separating the elites from, you know, the rest of us. So yeah. I went out Antelope Island yesterday. I ran 17 miles by myself. I was really proud of it because yeah. I overcame a little anxiety. I, yeah. you know, <laughs> did it. It was cold out. I, I got it done. I was, I was pumped up. And uh, I was feeling pretty sore today. And I had a speed workout on my on my training plan today. Yeah. Hotel gym, treadmill, <laughs> you know, like the, you can't, I mean, you hot, treadmill, busy, uh, on, on business, the, you know, meeting, I mean, like there, I had a long list of like reasons not, yeah. not to do it. Um, but I decided that I'm committed. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this whole thing anyway. Yeah. And I worked through that and, and the speed workout went great. So I'm like, 15 feet tall i'm thinking you know i might even compete you know it's so funny i'm like thinking all this so i start and i I start looking up the the results like the last Uh few years results and i start thinking that's got to be the 50 miler like there's no way and Um, i'm like holy crap (laughs) so it was a good like reality check for me of uh you're talking about the course records for buffalo yeah Yeah. just because i think you know i'm doing great because i got my speed workout done after a moderately long you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. Carl Carl Mosler has the course record over there. I think still like, probably in like twelve fifty five or maybe thirteen fifty. But it's 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 widely accepted that unless like a a super elite goes for it, that has a lot of road uh, experience. Meaning, because so much of it's runnable, you have it's it's a it's fifty miles twice the same 50 miles twice and i think it's maybe it's three thousand each 50 miles so it's like a six thousand so there's a lot it's so runnable and it's so soft yeah and so like carl he has like four of the top uh 10 all-time you know finishes at that he just cruises i just i don't know how he did it i mean he's he's won he's he's won like 60 something hundred milers at this point it's wild yeah, local legend so coming back to that idea of pursuit maybe being the thing yeah you know and and the process and and the fact that this finish line is maybe gonna always always move yes um there's something i saw the other day you know as it relates to our happy chemicals and dopamine Mm -hmm. specifically Uh that dopamine happens in pursuit of a goal not in reaching the goal which I thought was really profound. You know, mm. like I think as humans, we need something to pursue. Like yeah. we need something that we're going after. It's how we have a fulfilled life yeah. is setting big goals, huh. going after them. You'll find time and time again. I mean, you see it all the time with people and there's this like happiness conundrum, right? Like yeah. I get this promotion and then I'll be happy. Right. Or I, I, I buy this house and then I'll be happy. Or I yeah. finish this hundred miler then. and then I'll be happy. Yeah. And guess what happens? We're not happy. Yeah, never. You know, we're still have to, the, that finish line yeah. sort of moves. And I think that it's a, it's a fascinating thing to consider. Yeah. And you have a narrative written for your trail grit oh, yeah. series yeah. that resonated with me in such a profound way. Yeah. So I'm going to read that one too, if you're okay, okay with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to butcher it, but thanks for letting me, you know, yeah. read your words for a little, because I like to <laughs> sure. hear, you know, your flavor on it yeah. after. Yeah. It goes, uh, what if Sisyphus was happy, eternally condemned to never satisfy his ambition? 
cursed to push a rock up a hill, mi- uh, up a hill, misguided ambition. He wanted something and broke laws to get it, and the gods punished him, putting a desire in his heart to get to the top of a hill, and then made summiting that hill impossible. Did he fail the same way every time? Did he know that he would never make it? Did he start every time thinking, today is the day I make it to the top of the hill? Today I will do what burns in my heart. Today is never the day. I am Sisyphus. A fire burns in me for the 100-mile distance. Something got, in, something got in my blood. I'm fixated. It feels like the running gods have put a fire in my heart to solve the 100-mile puzzle, but the box they handed me is incomplete, and I can't figure out which pieces are missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that. I mean, it's 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 fun to hear because I mean, I, I I obsess over these these They're narrations. Brilliant. I thank you. I so I had been I'd gone on this just sort of deep dive of uh, Albert Camus, who wrote. Uh, he he said we must imagine Sisyphus is happy, because if we can't imagine Sisyphus is happy, we have no hope. And this this idea is that if you knew that your future was going to be forever riddled with failure. You were never going to push the rock to the top of the hill. If you knew it was always going to be failure, you would have to learn how to be happy with whatever you have right now. And I feel like, to me, again, this is ultra running is, you know, metaphor for life. It's, well, did, like, it just started to make me curious. If Did Sisyphus know that he was not going to ever get the rock up like did he when he was informed you have to get this rock up and you will never get it there was he did he know that or did he wake up every day thinking okay i tripped on the rock this last time i ran out of water at mile 62 this last time i got blisters and i i popped them at mile 50 and i shouldn't have uh i had too much beer the week before and so i had gout and a little bit of rhabdo i didn't have you know uh I didn't have the right rain clothes in for Wasat. You know, I like I go through all the things that, that, and then does he troubleshoot every day, and wake up and then try again and he fails again and wakes up and tries. And so, in imagining that he didn't know that he was going to fail, and every day, I, you know, you wake up optimistic like today's the day. Like when I towed the line at Zion and on April thirteenth, I think, twenty twenty four. Like it's going to be that Sisyphus moment in my mind of like, I'm going to do this now. If, but if I go the other end and think he, he knows he's never going to get it. And he knows that he has to do this every day. How do you be happy? How do you learn to be happy with what you have in that moment, regardless of what tomorrow brings? The evidence suggests that there's, that I will not finish Zion. Like statistically, statistically a 12% finish rate is absurd. <laughs> so, to me, the challenge, this Sisyphus, this parallel of Sisyphus is that I, uh, the parallel of the Sisyphus that knows that he'll never get to the top of the hill, yet I paid my race fee again and I'm going to do Zion, is that I'm just going to be happy at every single second I get to be out in the desert. And I, my, my intention is to finish. I really think that I'm going to, like, despite the evidence, like I feel like I'm going to do good. And like, maybe can I get 24 hours? I'm already in this mode of like, yeah, I have no evidence to suggest that I'll do that. But can I be like, can I be happy the whole way? Uh, you know, that, that to me is this, is that, that intro. Like that's, I'm, I'm Sisyphus. I'm, I'm either of those Sisyphus. I'm one where 
I'm, I'm, I know I'm never going to get it, yet I'm still happy to go up the hill. And the other one is, is that I know I'll never get there, but my goodness, do I love the process. So that's, that's where that one came from. I love it. Yeah. It's like the, the joy is in the journey. Yes. You know, and, and then yeah. you, you think about the alternative. Well, and the dopamine thing that you mentioned, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like the journey of pushing the rock up, like that's where all the good stuff's flowing through my body. I'll get there. Maybe it's a different neurochemical or whatever the word is, transmitter. But yeah, I think that's a good analogy as well. Yeah, and and you know, you consider the alternative. Uh-huh. What if they just gave you a rock at the top of the mountain? Oh. Would you be happy? <laughs> yeah, not at all. You know, yeah. like and and that applies to. That's why the, those words are so profound to me because it's almost like if you can just accept the fact that life is going to be a struggle. Yeah. And embrace it and love it for the struggle. Yeah. Like there's beauty in that. Yeah. You know, the 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 business venture that's that's difficult. Right. The the client that's hard, the yeah. relationship that's you know, that's tough, the financial moment that you're going through, yeah. the mile sixty of a hundred miler or yes. you know, whatever. And reframing yep. the struggles that we all deal with. Yeah. In that light is so powerful yes. and translates in such a great way beyond ultra running because I think for so many people there, you know, it's kind of that like fighting against it or moving, moving with it idea. You know, if, if we're always trying to like have perfection, first of all, never going to happen. Right. Second of all, for what, why, you know, like there, there is no point in like, could you, you know, the, the, you see over and over again, the people that inherit wealth or, you know, the, the people that, yeah. that are, you know, gifted businesses or whatever, they're not, yeah. they're, they're the guy that grinded it out yeah. and has a moderately successful yeah. business exponentially more fulfilled, yeah. you know? And I, I, it's so refreshing for me to have that mindset of yeah. pushing the rock up the hill is the point. Yes. That is it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just feels like that's, I can live that life, you know? The life where I have to get the rock to the top of the hill is—is is, I can't live that life, right? Because I don't, who knows? But if I can learn to love trying to get it up there, like that feels like a life I could live. Yeah, and then every day is filled with a little bit more joy, yeah, a little bit more meaning. Yes, you know, it's like yes, the the pain almost feels purposeful. Yeah, you know, like it's it's part of an end result that we're headed for. Yeah, and I think it's such a powerful. I mean, that that's one of the most powerful. Intro, narr- you know, yeah, in- intro voiceovers. I've it's I've good. To, it's heard. good to hear you this because I I wrote one for episode two and I thought let's take a different a different angle. Like, are people tired of these? But I do get I do get good feedback. But I, and I appreciate on this one the, the I'll, what I was going to do with episode two, <laughs> and then we almost did it at the end. It was like I was just is it feel like I'm feel forced? But this idea of being um, like that, I have this dream this recurring dream that like I'm on, I'm standing on the side of the gate. I'm a, I'm even a locksmith. Like I, I, and there's a lock on it and I'm a locksmith and I know what to do with locks. Like I, I can break into them. I can, I've got, if I've got my tools, I can do it. And on the other side of the fence is just everything I want in life. And I'm on this side, but I'm a locksmith. So we're in luck, but I don't have any tools. I can't, I don't, and I'm, and I'm stuck to just know that if I just, I know I can get, I know I can turn the lock. I, I can, if I just had the right tools, I know I could figure it out and I could be on the other side where I want to be. Like to me, that's this docu series of like, ah, I'm trying to figure out how to turn that freaking, like, can I, 
if I lose all my tools in the middle of the race, can I somehow still figure out how to pick the lock, which is just something I find on the ground. Like that's, that's the challenge for me in this one is that I'm pretty sure there's nothing left that I could encounter. Like in, in my obsession with the sport, talking with people, there's just not much in eight and seven DNFs and a m- bunch of other races. So I will encounter something or when I've encountered these other things and my, and my, I'm just emotionally bankrupt and I'm, I'm mentally bankrupt. Can I find something to pick the lock? That to me, I love that. Yeah. That analogy. But love that. Yeah. Well, and that's it. It's like, you know, it's almost like that, that idea of, you know, playing with the cards you've been dealt. Yes. You know, type, type of thing. When of I, like, so when I was in a punk rock band in high school, that was the name of my album. Really? The Hand You Were Dealt. No way. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and, and I think whether it's a 100 miler or life or business or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Going into it, knowing for certain that something will go wrong. Yes. Guaranteed. Yeah. Like that is that is the one thing actually we can count on. Yeah. Is that you're gonna have something go wrong that you didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Then how do you pick that lock? You know, like what what do you do now? You don't have the tools. You don't. Yes. And that, that's where I think, why I think the lessons learned in ultra running are so powerful because you can apply them to these other facets of yeah. facets of life. Yeah. And it's usually not nearly as. Uh, acutely painful right <laughs> you know you yeah usually yeah. a little bit more time to to kind of problem solve and and think things through but yeah. um yeah i mean what a great just a great that's why it's so fun to pick your brain and yeah. and Thanks. you know peel back a few of these layers because there's so much complexity and you even us right now we're you know it's still challenging to try to articulate yeah all of the the ways in which mm-hmm. it, it parallels and, and and i think that's why the sport is growing so well and so much right now is because as soon as someone kind of like sniffs this out there's so much so another thing that I, I talk a lot about you know people talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that we're like in trail running like we're operating at the top it's all about self-actualization it's figuring out who we are and like when people start to sniff this out they think oh this is because I've talked a lot about the self-actualization of, you know, proving something externally that I know is internal, and this is a way that I can sort of prove this to the world. But I think it's it's that that brings people. That's what they think they're getting. And then they go and they try and run whatever the distance is that beats them up, and they, and they DNF or they struggle or it's ugly and they thought it was going to be great. But I think what keeps us here is that we actually operate – it's the only time in life we operate in the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy where all that matters is food, water, shelter. It's the thing because it's just – but it's in that safe environment like we talked about earlier. There's 100 people there that are supporting you, making sure that you're safe. So it's this really safe place to, like, strip off everything. The only thing that matters is surviving in an environment where you have a high likelihood of survival. So and, and we're not, like, Bear grills, whatever, that thing. But I think that's what – is why it's growing in popularity is because we get this thing where we, whatever, whatever our why is, we get that. But I think the thing that really like sinks its hooks in us is like, this is the only time that you are food, water, shelter at the bottom. I wonder if that's why you get the self-actualization. Yeah. You know, like you, you think about, again, you come back to the the evolutionary topic and you know, all, all these complexities that modern humans deal with now yeah there's almost something like 
natural about that bottom level of the hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and living in that in a raw sense, mm-hmm. I think, you know, can, it does. You like skip to the top. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, we don't from from the evolutionary standpoint, like if that's that was our life, like that was ninety percent of our day, was the bottom of it. I mean, self-actualization was never a possibility, but there is some version. Like, I think I totally agree with you that we're we're achieving it by being there because we so often live up here now. Like social media, everything is about us self-actualizing, and we don't get this strong foundation of everything that kind of like makes that valuable. That has to happen. To, we yeah. get to enjoy that bottom bottom part of it. That's interesting. Do you think, you know, do you think given the incredible swings if i i i had a, a doctor of psychology on at one point and uh-huh. uh he used an, an analogy of going to the fair and the you know you have pretty much two choices in life you can ride the mm-hmm. merry-go-round yeah it's safe it's secure <laughs> it goes in circles you know what you're going to get every time right or you can get on the roller coaster mm-hmm. and there's going to be ups there's going to be downs there's going to be uncertainty there's going to be fear you know all yeah. of these things that come with the roller coaster of life yeah so my question to you is is you know considering the the journey that you're on right now mm-hmm. because and I don't know that it, it people listening probably have no clue in fact I know they don't yeah how much how huge we're talking here of 800 mile attempts yeah just the training alone in that <laughs> is enormous yeah. Yeah. you know showing up at eight starting lines yeah eight DNFs seven DNFs sorry yeah um like. <laughs> Those are, there's some high there. I mean, that, yeah. that's a roller coaster in and of itself. Yeah. Do you think that would your advice be for other people that the roller coaster is worth riding? Oh yeah. I mean, here's, here's often my fears that I, I will push people really hard to try and get into hundred mile. And my fear is that eventually some race directors will start to get angry with me because they're having to pick up so many DNFs, you know, cause that's really hard to logistically. It's hard to, it's hard to service the DNF. <laughs> We're we're a drain, you know, a, a a burden on the system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and and I'm 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 okay. I'm comfortable in a space with calculated risk. And I think I don't know of how many things that can feel this big that are where you're actually still this safe, if that makes sense. So I'm. I mean, I feel like mountain biking to me feels precarious. Like it, to go for. Uh, Park City point to point or whatever, like to do any big endeavor on a mountain bike to me, and maybe it's just because I'm not a mountain biker, there's just more potential for injury. Uh, anything else that you would do that gives you this level of satisfaction, funny enough, I think this is the safest thing, even though it's super hard. So that's that's another reason I push people into it. Like, hey, you don't think you do it? Go for it. Worst, worst thing that can happen is that you walk, whereas like a mountain bike, you fall off of it, you know. You're just going to walk for a while. And then maybe there's a point where you realize you can't keep going, and then you're done. That's it. <laughs> but you but could. But you tried. But you could. Yeah, you tried, and you could keep going. Just keep, just try. So I, I really, yeah, I, I push people to, like, every, any chance, like, you just got to try it. You just got to try it. You got to go for it. Worst, worst that can happen is that you fail. Yeah, and it contributes to a rich life. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of times what's, con- my opinion, is that a lot of times what's contributed to the dissatisfaction in so many people's lives now mm-hmm. is because of lack of risk. Yeah. Whether it's business or running ultras or yeah. asking the girl out or, yeah. you know, whatever. 
we have these like artificial barriers of highs and lows that we put yeah. on it in an attempt to protect ourselves, I think. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to try that. And if I don't try that, I won't fail. Yeah. So I've protected my bottom. Mm-hmm. But also if I don't try that, I won't succeed. Yeah. So I've inhibited my top. Yeah. And now we're living life on a spectrum like that. That's right. You know, where yeah. if we remove yeah. those barriers and let ourselves live this life of, yeah. you know, but you got to have the downs with the ups. Yeah. And I, that's the, that's the dilemma. I like that. I think also with that is that that's what helps create a memorable life as well. I feel like if without the risk that the days just bleed together. Mm. So like I can tell you where I was because of certain things in my life. We're June 26th of 1998. I know where I was because they w- I was outside of that bland thing. And I know right where I was, you know, uh, when I attempted my first Zion. Like I, m- I remember the moment I was with Jeremy. Jeremy Cox, DFL before DNF guy. He's in most of my trail running stories. Um, my personal stories, like my life. He's an important person in my life. Uh, I remember him looking me, uh, looking me in the eyes and saying, get ready to suffer. And he just laughed. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm in for. And then, uh, then I felt it. And I was like, oh yeah, I get it. But I remember right where I was at that moment on that date, you know, April of 2017. And then came back. I know right where I was May of 2017 at the starting line of Bryce, like these risks help us sort of triangulate our life yeah. compared to like you said, removing the top and the bottom, and it's just this. It's like uh, 2019. And my, 20- fanta- my fantasy football team didn't do well. Yeah, you know, yeah maybe that's how you triangulate. <laughs> but uh, that's. But also, I I I take a lot of risks. Again, like I like to think that they're calculated, but it also has helped me mark my life. Yeah, Hermosi says this is what hard feels like, and that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a good mantra when you're running a hundred milers. Like this is what it feels like. That's okay. That's, and that's okay. That's yeah. Josh, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you for, you know, letting me pick your brain and, yeah. and for being a part of this. But on a larger level, thank you for doing what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you for showing the the vulnerability mm-hmm. and the authenticity yeah. that you're bringing. The content that you're making is refreshing. Thanks. Um, it feels inviting and it, it feels inclusive, which I think is, it's just neat. It's the, to, it's the sport. This sport is a sport that is by nature inclusive it doesn't have to be forced that's what i love about it too yeah but it extends beyond that you know because it you know an inclusive life yeah. is great and you know like yeah. seeing this this community that you're building with with borderlands and it, it just it's just great and so i, I really appreciate you yeah. um so i've got i i give this to all my guests nice. they're inspired by example shirts nice um Thanks. because you are inspiring through your example and I just want to thank you for it because yeah. the world needs more people like you, needs more people doing Thanks. what you're doing and spreading the good messages and awesome. living the wild ride of life, yeah, you know, to the extent that you are. And I cannot wait to see you finish Zion yeah. this year. We're going to be cheering for I'll you see, loudly. But I'll see you at Buffalo two weeks before. Can't so wait. I'll see you there. I'll, <laughs> I'll be there at the finish line waiting for you. You have to, uh, yeah, when I'm, when I'm, you know, uh, at my lowest low, you yeah. have to remind me, like, hey, man, this is what hard feels like. Yeah. I'll, 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 bring a, I'll bring a laptop and make you listen to the narration. <laughs> of the- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just have these on repeat. Yeah. Exactly. Josh, thank so, you so much. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Thank you.